Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Magli here, and welcome to my special guest, Clarice. <laughs> Hi, um, Clarice is a French name. It is. I'm French. Yes. Me too. I've been in the UK for a really long time, so I don't sound French very much. But I'm originally from. Well, I was born just on the outskirts of Paris, but my family, my mum, now lives in Alsace. Whereabouts are you from?、Uh, I'm from、uh, the Alsace, so like. South of France, in the Alps, very small town. There's a ski resort and nothing else. Does your family still live there, like your parents and stuff? Yeah, my parents, my sisters, everyone still lives there. Gosh, do you get to see them very often?、Uh, we try to go about twice or three times a year, especially since、um, having my daughter. We go a lot more often because obviously they grow up so fast.、Mm-hmm. Um, okay, how old is your daughter? She's eighteen months now, and that must be what brought you to the UK.、Uh, I came here ten years ago. I started、uh, working in restaurants here. I was just—I needed a change. I was just not really doing well, and、um, my parents were very keen on me going to university, and I wasn't. <laughs> so I came here and got a job instead. Cool. And was your pregnancy? Can I ask if your daughter was planned or not planned? A surprise? Yes, she was planned.、Um, so my husband and I have been together for five years now, and yeah, we started discussing it. We felt we'd really like to start having babies because we'd like few babies. <laughs> we just felt, you know what, it might take a while. Let's just try. And、uh, I was pregnant two months later. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! Congratulations. Yeah. And how have you found the first eighteen months of motherhood? Um, it's. The most high highs and the lowest lows. <laughs> yeah, is there anything in particular that maybe you have found challenging, or something you thought might be easier, and actually you realise it's a bit of an obstacle? Ah,、uh, the loneliness. I think for me was the worst part. I、mm. think society casts you aside the minute you have a child. When you get pregnant, everyone's happy, everyone's so excited, and then the baby comes. Everyone vanishes. <laughs> it's so true. It's like everyone comes. They take a picture with the baby. They post it on Instagram. So proud of you. And then、yeah. it's like they never. You never hear from them ever again. <laughs> it's tough meeting new people, and I find the mom community so hard to navigate. There's so much, so much we need to learn and undo. I think there's a lot of、um, internalized misogyny. A lot of women who are so scared about.、Doing Doing the wrong thing that they would rather argue with you about what you're doing, so that they feel more secure in their choices. And I'm really not into that. Like you do whatever works for you. I will never judge. 
I do what works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I. It's funny because actually, I I never considered myself a particularly judgmental person, but since having a child, I really don't judge because I know that I'm making mistakes every single day. <laughs> but like, that's okay. I'm I'm learning. I'm doing the best with what I have, and like, what else can you ask from people? And I think there's a very big danger in thinking you're doing everything right and your way is the only way uh, I think you stop learning and you stop listening to your child's cues and every children's different every child is different um, so you need to adapt and you need to be willing to like say actually my bad I, th- I felt this was right it's not <laughs> yeah a hundred percent um do you feel like you have built a bit of a support network around you not really it's it's been very difficult because my career is um, very overwhelming and it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of space. And I'm only now trying to dial it back so that I can fit in more, just more time for life rather than work. And running my own business is a pretty antisocial space as well. So for me, it meant that three weeks after having my C-section, I was back at work. And I never had the maternity leave where you get to go to playgroups and you meet other women and you get to like hang out in those spaces that are just mum and baby. So yeah, it's been a bit difficult. I find found peace with it now I think a few months ago I was a bit lonely it was a bit hard but now I have key people around me that will always be there when I need them and that's what matters I don't really need a big group of friends um I think it's fitting social um social requirements in when you have a baby it's really difficult (laughs) yeah it's really difficult and also Sometimes it's difficult to, I mean, I know that my relationships, my friendships, they've changed. I've grown closer with people that maybe I wasn't as close with before. And similarly, you know, distance has come between people that I was closer with before because, you know, you need to accept that maybe your lives are just in different places, but that can be really, really difficult to accept. Yeah, definitely. I think now we're starting to meet people who have children and we've kind of made friends with people who are a bit older. I think in London, it it takes so long for you to actually get settled that people are having kids a bit later. And I was quite keen on having a child before my 30s. So it kind of took us out of our friends group because they were not ready to have kids. They were still partying and going to the pub and, you know. So I think when we had our daughter, we were a bit left alone. People were not quite ready as well. I think there's something when your friend is saying, I'm having a baby, you're like, are we here yet? Are we at this phase of life? And it's a bit of a shock for you. And I think people sometimes would rather like push you away so that they don't have to face the fact that we're all getting old. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. And how do you feel like it's maybe changed the dynamics in your romantic relationship with your partner? Oh, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, it's a roller coaster, you know. Like it's <laughs> one day you're like, oh wow, we're such a good team, we're amazing parents, and the next day you're like, I can't, I can't stand you right now. Please stay away from me. Uh, <laughs> it's. like we live in quite tight quarters because we mostly work from home and our daughter goes to nursery three days a week but then the other two days she's with us um so it's a lot of juggling constantly and sometimes you're just like 
passing each other, you know? You're like, hey, you need to do this. You need to jump on that. Let's go do dinner. Let's do bath time. And at the end of the night, we crash on the sofa and we barely speak to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I feel, sometimes I feel bad, but my partner, his name's George, and my, he'll come home from work and I'm like, I don't actually really want to talk to you. Like, I just want, just want five minutes to myself. Or even sometimes, every so often, he'll work late and sometimes I remember recently a friend of mine I was chatting to her and I was like oh George is working late tonight so it's just me and she was like oh that's a bit shit and I was like are you kidding (laughs) this is my dream as long as Isla goes to bed at a reasonable time like my evening is open (laughs) yeah we're really enjoying like individual time that sounds terrible but it's like you rarely have time to just be yourself you're either mom or dad and that's it and like this weekend I'm going away with one of my girlfriends we we do this every few months uh she's also a new mom and we just go away together she's got um a beauty salon so we get treatments all weekend we go to bed really early we watch trash tv we take baths and we go for walk <laughs> and my husband cannot wait he's like this is gonna be great I can't wait till we can alone <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's funny because sometimes I feel bad, like admitting that, you know, to other people as if like it's a bad thing and it means that, you know, my relationship isn't healthy. It feels like there's this pressure that in a healthy relationship, you should be together all the time. But oh my God. No, and I think you need the chance to miss each other as well. Like we've, we're massive prominent, my husband and I, of like, you need your individual hobbies. Like he's a big cyclist um, and I like running, I go to the gym, I go for walks on my own. Like we have our little pockets of time where it's like, this is just my time. Mm-hmm. You're not coming near it. Um, and I think that makes me a better mom. That makes it me like a better wife, a better partner. And then we have the time where we come together and we have a little date night or we'll cook dinner together or we'll go for a walk. But I think it's really important. And it took me a really long time to realize you need to be really secure in who you are as an individual to be a good partner and also be a good parent. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. It took me a really long time as well. And it also took me a long time to, and I'll ask you this in a second, but at the beginning with a newborn, both me and George were doing like everything together, like bath time together, bedtime together, you know, dinner together. And it's like, actually, if one parent does one thing, then the other one can just have like 10, 20 minutes of, I don't know, read your book, like do something, hoover. (laughs) Would you say that you're the primary caregiver? with your little one or how do you guys um figure out that sort of parenting schedule um I would say we're trying really hard to make it equal it's not it's never really equal but we try to balance it out um my husband does a lot of like nighttime things with our daughter so he'll do bedtime he'll put her to bed he'll do dinner just because at nighttime I'm wiped out and I can't just put in the energy and she's she's now a lot you know 18 months she argues about everything so I just 
have the mental capacity. So I do the mornings and he can sleep in a little bit more and then I'll do, he'll do the nighttime and I can just get dinner on and then just win down um, for the night. But yeah, it's, it's always a bit of a juggle. There's one of us that might be doing more around the house and then there's one of us that is doing more with the baby. We're just, we're trying to be equal, but it's not really equal. <laughs> Yeah, it's so difficult. Um, I don't know what your situation is like, but my situation is that my partner um, bears more of the financial burden for our family. And I am more the primary caregiver. And I'm at the moment, we're trying to find a little bit more equilibrium. But it's really difficult because we need the money. So he can't really stop working. But also, how do I make more time for my own business? Because I'm self-employed as well if if I'm the primary caregiver and it's so hard to find that give and take balance it's so so hard I I really um empathize with you because for the first nine nine to ten months I was caring for our daughter uh full-time and I was running my business full-time and my business was seven days a week at this point I couldn't even take a weekend off um and then my husband would go to the office two to three days a week and so he'll help me around the rest of the time but I felt like the entire load was on me and it was it was a lot Mm. Um, when we managed to put her in nursery it took a massive weight of my shoulder I felt like I could finally come back to myself and finally put in my energy to work but it's so hard when we looked at nursery and the financial commitment I was like how are we going to make this work this is insane this is the same price as our rent it's crazy and you're yeah you're constantly stuck like either your child goes to nursery and you have time to go to work but then your money is going to go and pay for the nursery (laughs) or your child doesn't go to nursery and therefore you make less money and you're stuck at home and you can't really like look for other opportunities it's yeah I just think the system and the way society is set up is just not supportive of mothers at all because as a dad you can just go back to work like that you're not affected Mm -hmm. yeah 100% I really agree also I don't know about you but it took me a little bit of time to be okay with the decision that I was sending my daughter to I mean Isla goes to childminding but same difference sending her to some sort of daycare um Mm. and not feel guilty about it I just I when we decided to have kids I told my husband right away I was like I'm not gonna be a stay-at-home mom I know myself I know my ambition and how driven I am in my career I can't sacrifice this but then your baby arrives Mm. like how am I gonna give you to someone else ever this is crazy (laughs) yeah yeah that's interesting I was actually totally the opposite when I was pregnant I I just loved being pregnant I was so excited to be a mom and I guess I put a little bit of pressure on myself that this was going to be like my purpose and I was so ready to be at home take care of my child and then she came and I was like hmm (laughs) I'm not loving this Oh, um, it's really, it's interesting that every woman, every child is different and there's no right way, right or wrong way to experience anything. Um, Yeah, it's, 
it's such a tough journey but have you ever um, what was your mental health journey did you have any sort of you know baby blues or postpartum depression it's quite common um how was that for you um so I had a very difficult pregnancy I mean all in all you know like we were both healthy-ish I wasn't in a hospital bed Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was really really hard from the minute I knew I was pregnant my health just took a nosedive and I at the time I had a commercial kitchen so I was in there uh, five days a week on my feet for 12 14 hours a day um and I was incredibly sick the entire time which when you're making food it's not great (laughs) (laughs) and every little smell would trigger me it was it was so tough and it really took a toll on me because I I genuinely thought you know nine months you're carrying a child sure at the end it might get heavy yeah, what yeah. A- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> I have three older sisters who all have kids I wish someone would have like knocked some sense into me and be like before you plan on having a child maybe think in those nine months you're not going to be able to work and um, I never felt yeah me too I was like why why don't people tell you that it can be difficult like I don't understand I remember having Isla and calling my mum and being like what the fuck is this you didn't tell me it was hard <laughs> oh my my mom is um she lives on another planet my mom is like what what men thinks woman are like she's like oh my period I don't feel them my pregnancies were all bliss I gave birth in two hours uh-huh. you know <laughs> so I was oh he was like I have no idea what you're talking about um so yeah it was it was really tough so and then my mental health took took a hit um I remember in the second trimester having a really hard time and at the time there were traveling restrictions because of COVID so I couldn't go home oh. Christmas and that really hit me my parents only saw me pregnant when I was like nine months at the very end and it's a hard thing like you don't really think about it because I'm fully committed to living in another country but then I was like oh my mom is not gonna see me while I'm carrying her grandchild and that's weird and especially like I think every woman when you're pregnant or when you have a child you feel a lot more connected to your mom and I was quite lonely and I remember we took a trip after Christmas we went a few days in like Somerset or something where I was like I just need to be out of this flat because I'm so depressed (laughs) and I I was like in deep depression at then at the time I was telling my husband like we're doing all those great things all those things that I love and I feel nothing I'm like completely numb Mm. and I couldn't sleep and I had like a lot of pain everywhere and so for me like pregnancy was really really hard and the the very end of it was the worst um she was nearly two weeks late and I couldn't take one more day (laughs) I was done um my 38 weeks I did every single thing that you can think about to induce labor and nothing works um so yeah by the end I was like I need to get this baby out of me I just can't do this anymore (laughs) and you know she ended up coming out um and then you know I think I don't think I had like postnatal depression I certainly had like dips we decided to move when she was 
four months old and we moved out of London and came to Surrey and that was a very hard time for the two of us because she was four months she needed a lot more attention she was starting to crawl she was starting to do all sorts of things and we were trying to adapt to being completely disconnected from our friends and being in this new place and that was very very hard um the first month we moved I think we both we were really depressed and really lonely and it took us a while to like climb back out I would say Mm -hmm. in your pregnancy when you say that you know your morale dropped quite low and how like what do you think the cause of that was just um not enjoying the pregnancy and like how did it manifest itself in you if that makes sense um I think there was a lot of different factors I think the main one was hormonal like I could tell something was chemically wrong with me that I I was just Mm. I couldn't control my emotions at all and there was a lot to come to terms with like I couldn't do my job properly and then my business wasn't doing as well as I wanted it to do and I kept thinking I'm bringing this child into the world and I'm not in a secure situation I'm running my own business everything can like go out the window I don't know what to do I don't know what the future entails and I know that I'm gonna have to take some time after I have this baby and I don't know how we're gonna afford it um so I think that was that was a lot and then yeah just the general loneliness of like I told my friend I was pregnant everyone was like this is great and then no one checked it (laughs) so that was that was difficult as well there is so much pressure on women and I just sometimes I think to myself like how do we change it do you know what I mean because it's like you should be at home with your child you should be the primary caregiver you should breastfeed and I know that we're moving a little bit away from breastfeeding but still I feel like there's this you know innate thing that it's the more natural way to do it but now in society you also should have a good career you should be financially self-sufficient and it's like you should take care of your mental well-being you should do yoga you should do exercise you should drink a green juice and oh my god (laughs) meanwhile men hold their baby at the pub with a beer in the other end and everyone's like wow father of the year (laughs) oh and it's it like and it's so frustrating because sometimes I don't know if you ever get this but like I also don't want to minimize the weight that it must be for my partner to have the financial burden on him you know Because at the end of the day, he works so that we have a roof over our head. We, you know, are comfortable. We have food on the table. We can buy new clothes for Isla. We have a dog. He's old and, you know, he needs to go to the vet, et cetera, et cetera. You know, everyone's situations are different. But sometimes I'm like, oh, like, that's great. But like, I don't want to bow down to you. (laughs) It's hard for me too. Yeah, definitely. And I think society has been terrible at both expectation on both parents, where before it was like, oh, your your man is going to provide. So they're getting paid lots of money mm-hmm. and they're giving you the money and you stay at home, you take care of the child, which was crazy because this child has two parents. But then again, you wouldn't have to worry about the finances because that's the way society is set up. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, men don't earn as much as they used to do. We don't expect them to care for the entire family. We expect moms to work as well. We also don't expect them to be good fathers. I mean, in this in this country, it's like two weeks parental leave. What is two weeks when you just mm-hmm. have a child? Um, we expect dads to just be like, oh, I had a kid. Oh, congrats. 
let's have a beer and that's it and there's no support for men to go into fatherhood and I also I feel for men because I think as women as bad as we have it we've always had this solidarity and this community that you could reach out to any woman and be like I'm struggling right now and they would immediately be empathetic towards you immediately say what can I do to help do you want me to listen do you want me to come in do you want me to support you men don't have that they can't reach out to their best mate and be like I'm really struggling with this fatherhood thing it's still really stigmatized which I think is crazy because it's such an insane journey to become a dad as well and to see as well the person you love go through massive transformation sometimes really difficult things during pregnancy really traumatic birth postnatal depression and you don't have the tools to deal with it and society doesn't expect you to yeah that is so so true I agree. It's it's like neither party can win. And I mean, I definitely don't have the answer on how we can find a better balance because it's so true. We do have this sisterhood. I feel like I'm quite an open person in general, but I do feel comfortable texting a friend or calling and being like, fuck me today is shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Just something like that. But I don't feel like men could, but they don't, they don't, they just don't because it's not normalized. It's not part of their, I don't know, like DNA to reach out on an emotional level. And no one, it's true. No one talks about the fatherhood journey. And although I've have thought about that in the past, I've not really given it as much thought as you're encouraged me to think about it um yeah it must be so tough to watch a dad I mean I had quite a severe hemorrhage during my birth and I remember George looking down at me crying and I was so high on pain (laughs) and gas and air like I didn't feel anything but they witnessed everything and a lot of the times there's actually not much that they can do and they must feel so helpless yeah that's one of the reasons when I was pregnant I involved Cam with everything we did hypnobirthing and Mm -hmm. I shared a lot of resources Mm -hmm. with him and I was like you need to know every single thing that's going to happen in this room I'm someone who's not very comfortable um in hospital and with doctors in general because I've been dismissed a lot in my life and I was really worried that I would say I'm worried about something or I would feel the baby and I experienced that through my pregnancy where we would turn up to the hospital and say something's deeply wrong and they were like it's just normal to experience pain during pregnancy and then they would do an exam and be like actually you've got kidney stones I was like why are you not listening so oh my god for me I was really worried about giving birth in a hospital setting which is why we choose a midwife environment but things went wrong and I had like a 72 hour long labor it was extremely traumatic for everyone involved (laughs) and by day two I was so sleep deprived and so high on everything they injected me with I was just not in the room I was not there and I can't remember Mm. a lot things I had like moments where I would like come to and be like what is happening to me where am I why am I plugged into all these machines I remember the moment they put the epidural in and I remember coming to being like bent over with someone shoving something in my back and I was like how did we get here (laughs) I was supposed to give birth in a swimming pool (laughs) with candles (laughs) you know (laughs) 
those years thinking in the background. Yeah, and I remember Cam being like, I, I don't know what to do. And he made a lot of decision because I just couldn't make the decision. And I can't imagine how lonely it must have been for him. Like he told me at one point, he went to the pub to get a pint and to call his mom because he was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm terrified. Mm. And it's also something where in the hospital, they're like, oh, you need to make a decision now. Like where you're like, sorry, my wife is completely unconscious. I might lose my baby. What is going on? What am I supposed to do here? But yeah. It's... Yeah. Wow. Does Cam, your husband, feel like he has his own support network? I don't really know. I feel like we're both, we've both been on a journey where we were like, oh, this is, this is new. <laughs> We're only now yeah. meeting other couples that live in the village and that also have babies. And yeah, as I mentioned, like older couples as well that have like grown kids, but it's so nice to have the support. And I think it's so important for us to be surrounded by people who have children because as much as your child-free friends might empathize, they don't know. They don't know what it's like. Mm. And there's a place for everyone, I think. There's a place for your child-free friends when you need to go out and have a girls' night and do whatever you need to do as, like, a person. But when you need support as a parent, it's so nice to have people who are going through the same thing as you. Yeah, 100%. What do you think um, has been the most, like, in terms of parenting, not just you, but in terms of parenting, what do you think has been the most, like, challenging stage so far with your little one? I would say like three months ago when she was like 14 months old, 15 months old, that was a lot. She was just, there was a lot of tantrums. She was just upset about everything. And it was really hard for me to keep patience when she was like just yelling and you don't know what she wants and you can't communicate. Now she communicates and that's just, it's so nice. Like before she would just like yell and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you want from me I would give it to you <laughs> and that was I yeah it was just a couple of months and I realized oh this is hard she needed our attention 24 7 we couldn't leave the room we had to constantly be like sat beside her and I was like I have to work I have to do things <laughs> if you're here um, oh. I know a lot of people say the newborn bit is the most difficult part for us it was great <laughs> And obviously you're trying to manage you're like how do I take care of this human but she slept like eight hours a day I was like this is great I can just put her down somewhere she doesn't roll over she doesn't move I can just crack on I can take a shower and live on the sofa and not freak out and then yeah, yeah I think I would say from like seven eight months where I was like oh oh this is challenging she's now moving a lot <laughs> and when she started walking around and she tries to climb the sofa and the coffee table and everything and I'm like I can't leave you alone for 10 seconds something's gonna happen <laughs> that, that's more challenging <laughs> oh my goodness yeah oh I'm laughing so much because I relate <laughs> it's so true when they start to communicate it does get a little bit easier um Isla my little one she in terms of speech like, there's no, you know, early or delay, like whatever. But I guess in terms of the average, she is a little bit delayed in speech. So if it took, yeah, we are a bilingual family. So I speak French to her and George speaks English. But I don't know, you'll have to tell me. Um, I assume, are you doing the same? Yeah, we're doing the same. And everyone says it takes longer for them. Does Cam speak French? He does, yeah. Ah, 
Okay, is he French? No, he's British, but he, he speaks quite good French, but he speaks in English um, to our daughter, and I speak it fully in French. Okay, so this is where I struggle, because my partner does not speak French. <laughs> and so sometimes when we're, for example, like all having dinner together at the table, it just, it feels a little bit disjointed, because then he's not fully understanding, like, what I'm saying. And especially if I'm disciplining her, I want him to understand what I'm saying in terms of discipline, so that, you know, he's, like, on the same boat, on the same page, or whatever. And so sometimes I find myself saying it in French, and then in English but I think I'm noticing I think a little bit of confusion that when I do speak French she doesn't understand as much as when I speak English but I think that that's also normal because she hears English much more uh, than she does French but uh, yeah it's a difficult one to to navigate. I think it takes time and I think they pick things up really quickly it's just a matter of like yeah but yeah, it, I definitely get that. Um, I'm quite lucky because Cam mostly understands what I'm saying in French, so I don't have to like repeat myself. But yeah, when they communicate, it gets so much easier because I remember Isla going through a stage of literally just pointing and going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and I was like, I can't take this anymore. This noise is driving me insane. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh and it's just it's so annoying and you're literally like if you could tell me I would give it to you <laughs> you're like what do you want what are this is not good I'm throwing a billion things and sometimes oh. you realize they just want to point and yell no don't actually want anything <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um I found weaning incredibly difficult uh going from you know bottle and formula and milk to solids um, how was that journey for you? Yeah, same. I just, I felt like I have finally found my footing, like in terms of routines, um, by like seven months. And then they were like, you need to introduce solids. And I was like, are you kidding me? I want her to, like, I was breastfeeding. I was like, assistant, she's on the boob. And then I get on my thing, put her on the boob. She goes to sleep. I don't want to introduce solids. And everyone was like, well, you're a chef, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to cook her lots of things. I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have time to cook for myself. Yeah. I'm going to cook for a baby that's going to eat one bite and then <laughs> spit the rest out. <laughs> just, we're still struggling a bit with food, but I, I've just let go of it. For a while, I, I was telling Cam, like, oh, I see all those moms on TikToks doing, like, mini fish pies for their kids. And why can't I do that? And he was like, you work full time. What are you talking about? Yeah. Nah. Fuck off, TikTok. Yeah, exactly I'm like this is ridiculous I just you know what she's fed she's very into cakes which is not great we were all very set on you know no, no sugar blah 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 yeah okay there's cakes in the house all the time and yesterday she spent like two hours coming back in the kitchen every five minutes being like more more cake and I was like that's enough <laughs> your stomach is this big stop I know I know Sometimes I find myself literally like closet eating because I want a snack, but I don't want to allow her a snack. So I literally, I open the fridge and I hide behind the fridge just eating my snack. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have this issue because she eats so little. She's very fussy. I've read that at 18 months it happens where they have this phase where their growth spurt slows down and their appetites just disappear. Um, so I'm not too worried about it, but you still want her to eat, you know? Um, and we would sit her down at meals and she wouldn't eat anything. We would offer like mm -hmm. six different things. So what I've done now is I put in the kitchen, there's a little 
tray where I just put snacks for her and she can just come in and grab one. And I found that has helped massively because she feels like she can make the choice. I think the whole thing about like strapping them in the chair and then staring at them while they eat, sometimes it's a bit <laughs> off-putting. For yeah, me. no. And I think um, I don't want to create this like fear response you know, that when they're in their high chair or in a normal chair, whatever, you know, they start to feel like they almost get PTSD. I mean, it's not PTSD, but like on a really, really small, tiny level, they start to remember that actually when I'm in this chair, it's like negative energy. And also, I don't know if this is like a French culture thing or if it's everywhere. I feel like in France, everything revolves around food, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I also, I don't want to force feed her. Like, if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's very important. And like, I've read a lot on how to create like healthy eating habits and like, you know, reduce the risk of disorders because I had an eating disorder myself. And I'm just very mindful of that, Um, especially raising a little girl, you know, that the messages are going to come really fast. Like my mom kept telling her she was chubby when she was seven months old. I was like, can we not? Can we stop, please? Me too. And the problem is, I got exactly the same thing. And the problem is, is that then I start thinking that she has too much weight when she's seven months old. Like, what the fuck? You can't get, like, a baby can't be too big. Oh, yeah. yeah. And my mom was like, oh, it's a compliment. I'm like, I don't care. You don't need to comment on her body. Just say she's cute. You don't need to say, oh, look mm-hmm. at Look how chubby she is. I'm like, she's a baby. You want her to look skinny? <laughs> that would be worrying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're trying very hard to stay away from that. And I consume a lot of content that talk about how to practice healthy eating habits and basically just make sure you don't have entire food that are off limits for your kids, um, which is kind of why we did mm-hmm. this thing. Because my parents were very much like, oh, you're hungry? Well, it's not dinner time, so you're not eating. And then if you don't like dinner, you you stay at the table until you finish your plate, which is not something I'm going to do with my daughter. And, you know, at the time, obviously, they thought they were doing something good and raising you with good manners. But now I'm like, there's so much in France, the whole thing of like, you sit down for a two hour <laughs> lunch or dinner for a child. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. And mm-hmm. you don't like the food, it's fine to have something else. I just want you to be fed. I don't care about you eating exactly what we're eating you know um yeah I 100% resonate and agree with you and sometimes I find like when I spend time with my family especially my grandmother because obviously she's like you know two generations away from me and three from Isla I feel a little bit embarrassed because I feel like I'm being so lenient and in her eyes I'm gonna look like I don't care and I'm not you know, I'm not disciplining my child, but it's just a completely different way of doing it. We also went through a very fussy stage with Isla. And admittedly, at the time, I was a little bit panicked and worried. And I tried really, really hard to surrender. I mean, obviously, the demons, you know, and the noises in my head were really loud, but I didn't act on them. And in the last couple of months, Isla has started to eat things that I never, like, I never would have imagined she would eat. Do you know what I mean? It's just incredible how one day they just, they try. And I'm really grateful to like, you know, myself a year ago that I didn't force her because then that's again, like going to create that fear response and that bad relationship 
with food. Something we also did, which I found so helpful, is something a um, child dietitian recommended to me is that similar to you, my parents brought me up like you're at the table, you have your plate of food and you must finish your plate of food. And if you don't finish your plate of food, you don't leave the table, one. And two, you can't have dessert. And it puts dessert on like this pedestal that it's something to like aim for. Whereas we've found that actually sometimes we give Isla a yogurt or a piece of fruit or whatever it is, even sometimes a little bit of chocolate, like it doesn't matter. And Sometimes she'll eat it first and that's okay. It took me, it's funny because like we're so not used to it. It's like we need to um, recondition ourselves and our minds. At first I was like, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. But I really tried to surrender. And actually sometimes she would eat her dessert first, fine. And then she would finish her plate. Yeah, we do the same. Uh, I follow someone who's like a child nutritionist or something but she has such amazing tips and yeah she was talking about the fact that you can't put dessert on a pedestal and I've always felt that you know we're not dogs food is not a reward you're not you're not eating Mm -hmm. yeah you've been good today that's not good so um yeah we do the same thing where we offer dessert at the same time like sometimes she just points out the yogurt in the fridge I'm like it's fine you can have a yogurt it's not gonna it's not going to affect mm-hmm. um and it's the same with the cake as much as you know I don't want my child to grow up on cake I also don't want her to think like cake is something very bad that you can only have like a little bit of like you can have cakes so you're not going to eat cake every single day for three meals <laughs> it's fine <laughs> and I just think they grow so fast as much as she's eating cake this week maybe next week she's not going to want any cake and she's going to only want broccoli and I'm trying to just go with the flow and let her do whatever she wants to do and we'll see later on if there's habits that we need to rectify if there's an issue we'll catch it but I don't want to like create a strict schedule or anything around uh food yeah I'm exactly the same I really resonate with that um okay my last two questions for you are our two features on the podcast um What is your mom confession? So something that potentially you do as a parent that you may not feel comfortable admitting, but you probably know that everyone does it because we're all human. Yeah. Tell me, what is your mom confession? Uh, She watches way too much TV for a two-year-old. She's not even two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My mom constantly hearts on about like, she shouldn't watch TV until she's free. I'm like, it's easy for you to say. You had a full-time nanny. Um, you know, we don't always have childcare around the clock. Sometimes I need to hop on a call and she needs to be distracted. So we're trying to manage it. It's fine. As I think everything is like a phase in life. And for now, she watches a little bit too much TV. And then we'll rectify it and we'll get her more activities. And I'll try to find more time to be with her outside of work but yeah this is just it's just what it is yeah I think that's such a common one as well and yet we don't dare admit it all the time um I feel exactly the same and sometimes you know what I don't even have work to do but I just want to go take a poo by myself (laughs) and like we're very careful she only watches CBBs which Honestly, all the programs are like really good. She she generally started using sign language because she watches CBBS. She's actually learning a lot of things, 
And as much as obviously there's other issues with TV time where I feel like her attention span's getting a bit worse and she's getting a bit more impatient, like it's not all bad and you need to do whatever you need to do. Yeah. I also, I always find funny that like our parents' generation are always very keen to give advice when like I never played with my mother as a kid. She was always doing work, doing housework, making food, hosting people, or, you know, doing whatever else. I never sat down on the floor and played Barbie with my mum. So maybe I didn't watch TV when I was two, but, you know, there's a balance to strike. And I think whatever works for you, whatever helps you to be a good parent, it might not be a good decision in the moment, but I don't think the impact will be that bad later on. Um, yeah, I am with you. Wow, I think we had the same childhood because I, mine was exactly like that. My mom, she didn't often play with me. And now, do you know what? Yeah, the TV's on more, I'm sure, than when, the t- than when I was a kid. But actually, sometimes the TV is just on because we watched it for 20 minutes and then we started a game and it's still on behind us in the background. But we're playing together. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Give and take. What is your top tip Tuesday? A random top tip to any other moms listening on any subject. It can be, you know, mental mindset or it can be something tangible that you do with your little girl and you feel works really well. Your top tip. It's a bit weird to say that on a parenting podcast, but stop with the parenting content. Stop following people that talk about how great that child's diet is. Like, Follow people who are real, but also I think there's a healthy balance to strike on social media. I find as soon as you start following relatable mom content, you find you fall into that whole I bash my partner all the time content and uh, being a mom is the worst. You know, like there's no there's no in between. It's either I love being a mom. Look at me in my linen dress baking organic cupcakes <laughs> or I hate this. <laughs> My partner never helps in that. I don't know why we're not divorced. And my kids are like the pain in my backside. And I'm like, can we can we strike a middle here? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's great. Whatever you see online, it's not real. It's not. And if you see anything and you're like, oh, this is not making me feel good, just block that person. Move on. No one's going to get offended. I think you need to really preserve your bubble as a mom and be like, this is reality. These are the people around me who are being parents. And this is online which is completely different uh yeah social media uh I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media sometimes I think it's amazing and then sometimes I literally think it's the worst thing in the world and it puts so much pressure on people to be perfect all the time uh but just like you said also sometimes you're like you know, I consider myself a relatable person and I speak quite honestly, but then I also get anxious that people think that I, I hate being a parent. And oh my gosh, I don't at all. I'm, it's like, but it's hard. And I feel like no one's saying it's hard, but it doesn't mean I don't love my child. Like I love her. I just, I don't love spending all day, every day making breakfast, lunch and dinner for her to throw it at me. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think everyone's like that. You just don't see that online. Um, you don't see 100% of people's time. You can't make judgment just like you can't make judgment on yourself just because you had a terrible week and 
your child ate a cupcake and watched Bluey for five hours. It's fine. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, one last thing. I invite you to tell us about your business. You are a self-employed chef. If And you're vegan, correct me if I'm wrong. Vegan I'm pastry, vegan. vegan baking. I'm not vegan myself. Okay. I'm specialized in a plant-based option. Um, I'm a French pastry chef from training. And yeah, I share a lot about vegan food, a lot of vegan recipe. Um, I have a few eBooks with lots of very easy recipe for more plant-based option. I'm at Chef Clarisse Flan on every platform. Um, and yeah, that's me. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Clarice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your motherhood journey, all of the ups and downs. I am very, very grateful. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Bye. Bye.